Good evening and welcome back to another night at the round table. Tonight we're reviewing the 2013 found footage horror film Willow Creek, written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwaite and starring Alexi Gilmore and Bryce Johnson. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves. What's up, y'all? I'm David from the Blurry Photos Podcast. Sup, y'all? It's me, Singer, from the Zenith <laughs> Podcast. Thanks. Thanks David, for staying in the 90s with that? me. <laughs> nice. Sticking uh, by. Professional hour. Well, that would make me Derek Hayes of Monsters Among Us Podcast. And as I said, this is Nights at the Round Table. Gentlemen, what did you think of this film? Well, uh, before we begin... Justin, let's start with you. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Before we begin, I am actually going to be having a drink during this episode. I am sending you guys a picture of it, and it is related to the topic... I'm going to be having a Sierra Nevada Bigfoot barley wine style ale. I've had that. It's all right. I've nice never had it. work. Thank you. It's got a nice pour to it. How is yeah. it, Derek, uh, Derek and Justin? You, you guys both had that. Um, mm, not good. Yeah. Barley wine. <laughs> yeah. It's very sharp. Yep. Very sour. Oh, yep. I don't like sour beers. Yeah. Hard to drink. This is going to be a... It's going to be a fun episode for me. <laughs> Justin's going to be real quiet. His mouth's going to be puckered closed. <laughs> it's going to be a better episode then. <laughs> oh, I thought this uh, I thought this was actually kind of delightful uh, to watch. It's different than a lot of the uh, stuff that you see out there, and it's different in a good way. Um, as far as a found footage a picture goes like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of shaky cam and stuff like that, but this, the way they did it in this uh, film, it makes it more real and more relatable and it really draws you into that world. And one of the things that um, we'll talk about later a little bit was I loved how they took these long shots and it was just one take, you know, of, of one setting and they were there in front of the camera and they, they, they kept going like several, several minutes at a time. And that's, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to, to take a whole um, thing on, on camera, you know, when, when it's rolling and you've got a scene to do and to keep it going like that, it's not easy. And uh, I, I thought, uh, I thought that was a really cool aspect of this and it lent itself to uh, additional things that I bring up later uh, when we bring a guest in here. Um, but I, I thought it was a, a lot of fun and had a nice build to it and, uh, really put you in that world of hunting for Bigfoot, you know, uh, out there going from happy go lucky to, um, happy go sad <laughs> <laughs> real quick. Happy go smashy face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, what did, what did you think? Um, so you, you shot us this, this idea for this, um, particular movie and it's one when I saw the like trail, I mean, not the trailer, but the poster for it. I was like, this looks very familiar. Like, I swear I've seen like this image before. So watched the movie and was very impressed and was kind of like, how have I not seen this sooner? That's yeah. the thing that got me was I was like, how is this something I have not been able to see? Because it, it is it is right up the alley of, you know, great paranormal you know, found footage stuff, uh, much like our previous episode, Troll Hunter. Uh, we're, we're actually on a good streak here, guys, so I can't wait to see what uh, David does to fumble this, this fantastic <laughs> drive we're, we're making right now. 
Um, well, I'll tell you what, the uh, the other suggestions after you watch this, uh, they had some prime choices, I can tell you that. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, th- I thought this was great. The, um, the, of course, found footage works very well for this, and it's something to where it's done in a way that is done right, per se. It's not... Um, something like, I'm just going to use this as an example, Cloverfield, where I feel like I'm getting motion sickness every five seconds from someone not being able to hold a camera properly. Yeah. So this is, this is better. Yes, it does have some moments where there's shaky cam because stuff happens. But no, I, I thought it was great. And I kind of like, as is said later on, you can sort of mislead to your own conclusions with some of this stuff, which I find yeah. interesting. I'm going to take another well, you know- drink of this ale barley wine <laughs> that's it's a brave choice uh, you know I, I i really enjoyed this movie I, I watched it right when it came out I, I i heard about it being released and was pretty excited to lay eyes on it and I, this is probably my third time watching it i would imagine and it's it it holds up decently uh, it's much better the first time which most films are but especially found footage films and, and i should point that out that not only is this a Bigfoot film, but it's a found footage film. So the the cast and crew are up against two humongous hurdles. Uh, it's difficult to make a good found footage film anymore, and it's and it's near impossible to make a good Bigfoot film apparently because no one else has seemed to be able to do it. So you know they were already they already had the eight ball behind them, but I was pretty pleased with the execution here. It holds up as far as like the Bigfoot world is concerned or the 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 legend of the creature i think they stick pretty well with that they don't really go on any crazy excursions with the story uh it it was good stuff maybe we should do a synopsis before we go any further is that uh yeah okay so essentially what we have here is a like we said it's a found footage and there's a two characters jim and kelly uh boyfriend girlfriend driving up from who knows where to willow creek uh, near six rivers national park in california northern california and uh, they're shooting a documentary about finding Bigfoot. It's just the two of them. They're using a handheld camera. They're visiting the town of Willow Creek. And eventually they make a pilgrimage to the filming site of the Patterson-Gimlin film. Unfortunately, due to some hairy circumstances, they don't make it. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's, that's essentially the story. A lot of it is uh, visuals. A lot of it is audio, uh, like suspense, building suspense sort of thing. So it, it's not your typical narrative film where there's a big long story drawn out there's there's a lot of backstory especially for a film like this but it's not it's not your typical drama let's put it that way it it gets you right into the action actually it doesn't does it i shouldn't say that it's got a good build it um it it, it builds to the action yeah well it it gets you to the action of knowing that this is like uh, a, a guy, it, it would be like one of us going out and trying to shoot uh, an amateur documentary, you know, or just like, let's go a uh, legend tripping or something and, uh, and then film it and, you know, kind of host it as we go along. Not a super professional thing. It's just we got handheld recorders and um, a little, you know, uh, mic, a handheld mic. And, and this is uh, a thing we're kind of tag teaming with our significant other. And it's, it's going to be a weekend of fun. And it builds on that and builds on that. And the great thing about it is it really does capture some of the awkwardness that goes into trying to do that, you know, as a uh, as a, uh, a podcaster or a producer of content kind of thing. They really touch on some of the with the interviews and things like that and, and like yeah. doing takes over and, you know, doing it two or three times till you get it right kind of thing. I appreciate there that. There were plenty of bad interviews of uh like townspeople in Willow's Creek. I love people that I recognize old woman too. On there. 
she's a real she's a real person. She actually runs, uh, I think it's called the China Flat Museum or whatever museum it is up there they were visiting. Uh, she runs it, and whenever you ask her about Bigfoot, that's her response. Oh, I don't believe in it. This is all a bunch of bull. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, I just thought it was a strange choice for somebody to run that to run that facility. But yeah, they they uh, they interview. Uh, I can't think of the gentleman's name, Steve something or another, that runs the bookshop up there. Yeah, uh, Tom Yamarone, who who's a friend of mine, that made an appearance, sang a song. You know, there's there's uh, some some fun Bigfoot legends up there that they really incorporate in the story and, and not just tales and, and details, but people and places and things, uh, you know, there's plenty of carvings and stuff they show. It's just the, the kitsch town combined with the scary atmosphere outside of town. It was just some combination of that really worked for me. So you've been to this area before, Derek? I have not. No. Oh, okay. I've, I've been to Northern California, but I didn't make it to Willow. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was like, I was like, wait, am I gathering that he's been here before? Sounds like uh, we need to do a weekend excursion. Yeah, there we go. Pilgrimage. Everybody's invited. Come on, let's go. All right. <laughs> Social distance, too. Um, no, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's really cool, like, the, the whole setup, the whole, you know, they go to all the locations. I guess the best thing for my comparison would be, oh God, I don't want to bring it up, but it's always the same thing with me. Uh, me the guess. Lost Man Festival. Yeah, th- there you you answered. I answered your own question, David. <laughs> but like when we went out to the TNT area, yeah, there's like a checklist to do when you go to the Mothman Festival, and if you go, you do this checklist of you know you go do this, you go do that. It's I feel like they're doing the same thing, but they're filming it, and it's one guy's adventure instead of going to a giant festival and everything. And it's interesting because he's got his re- reluctant girlfriend with him. It's maybe fiance actually no that is the saddest <laughs> part of that i i saw that coming i terrifyingly saw that coming yeah <laughs> it's pretty great though. are you speaking from personal experience justin no i'm i'm speaking I, I actually fortunately for me when i asked the woman i love to marry me she said yes i'm only saying that because she stepped into the room momentarily what, what he's talking about is uh there's a tent scene where they're sleeping out at night and uh, uh jim proposes to kelly as they're Bigfoot hunting. And it, no surprise to a lot of people, she turned him down, probably because of those reasons. But it, it was kind of a, a weird spot in the film. And, and I really liked that because it, it grounded the film at that point. Like, all of, everything else going on outside had, had been ignored for a hot second and gave you a break and gave you a, 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 check, a second to catch your breath and, and kind of prepare yourself for the final act, which is just this couple sitting in a tent being terrorized by these creatures. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. The long, just that long. And we and we talk about this later, but the shots that are just, they're stationary, they're long, they're quiet, you know, and, and um, we, we haven't said, I don't think we've mentioned yet that uh, about Bryce, but we talk about how that is not really done that much anymore and how good it is. It's such a good tool to use, especially in a horror film where you have that silence and the ambiance of the environment and that's all you have. And then you're kind of experiencing it with the people on screen, you know, in the story and, and, and it makes it so much more visceral to watch. It's, it's really fun. What David's hinting at is we were actually lucky enough to, uh, talk Bryce Johnson, who is the lead actor in the film, to actually come talk to us about uh, the production of the film and the history behind it and his involvement. So we're going to have him on here later in, in the episode to uh, kind of get some behind-the-scenes footage. But uh, 
And, and I thought the performances were pretty great in this as well. The casting was was pretty good. Uh, I love the use of the local people. That that to me really also grounded the project in reality. That you know I recognize some of these people from documentaries or you know uh, festivals or you know whatever. Uh, they're just familiar faces that when you see them, you're like yeah, they're definitely talking Bigfoot. I know who this person is. Yeah. And the, all kinds the, of other the tropes, yeah, the tropes you hear in the in Bigfoot stories and encounters, uh, down to the crying that some people said say they hear, yeah. you know, which is really freaky and, and awesome. And they involve the whoops, the the wood knocks, the rock clacking, mm-hmm. scat uh, and fur, yeah, scat and fur, everything tracks. you can think. Foot tracks, they find those. Everything you can think of is somehow, you know, I don't remember them mentioning a smell though. Now, no, now they no, say that. yeah, that yeah, is that true. Was, that was the only thing left out. But but not all not all encounters involve s- smells, you know. That's I think that's why they classify certain ones as skunk apes, because <laughs> not all of them are uh, are as smelly. But uh, yeah, but you're right. So I guess this is probably as good a time as any to bring in our guest. You may know him from his countless television appearances. You may recognize him from the hit television program Expedition Bigfoot, or as part of the podcast Bigfoot Collectors Club. But most likely, you'll know him best as Jim in the film Willow Creek. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Bryce Johnson. Bryce, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure. We just watched this movie, and I, I got to be honest, it's uh, one of my favorite Bigfoot films. It's one of my favorite found footage films, if you will. And uh, pretty excited to have you here. Pretty excited to have uh, some questions answered. I think all three of us have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, yeah. I'm going to kick things off since uh, I did the introduction here, I guess. The casting process. I, I got to know, were, were you guys part of a, a casting process or was this something that uh, the director, Bobcat Goldthwait, wanted you guys to, uh, he picked you guys out uh, personally? What, what was the situation there? What was the history behind that? How did you get involved with the project? I guess is the better question. Yeah, right. So I had done a film with Bobcat uh, Goldthwait before called Sleeping Dogs Lie. And, uh, and my co-star Alexi had done World's Greatest Dad with Bobcat. And, uh, and so, you know, he reached out to me directly, uh, and, and was like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, Bigfoot found footage film. And I was wondering if, if you might be interested, uh, and, and, you know, and I, and of course I was like, dude, you got the right guy. Hell yes. I would be interested. But I think he was also like, oh, he's a pretty low maintenance guy. You know, he's not really an onset diva and I can, I can sort of, you know, put him up in the Bigfoot motel and he won't complain too much. And, uh, and you know, Alexi's the same way. We're really both sort of, you know, no fuss, no muss type of type of actors. So, and I think, you know, and he really, he's one of those few directors that really likes working with, uh, working with his friends and the, and the, and the same people who he likes working with. He calls us the Bob Wood players. Uh, so it was, a, it was an honor. And uh, I don't know if he ever knew, you know, my interest in Bigfoot that extended before we even had that conversation. But I, I think once he started to find out like, oh my God, you're already into this. I was like, yeah. And so it was just, it was, it was sort of the perfect synchronicity. So this wasn't your parlay into the cryptozoology or the paranormal. You were already interested in this subject before you, before you took the film on. Yeah. I've been interested in, uh, in, in the subject of Bigfoot and, and UFOs and aliens ever since I was a little kid. I mean, when that bookmobile rolled around my elementary school, I went, I went right to the, the cryptid, the, the strange section. And, uh, 
with Daniel you know, Cohen books. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff, all that stuff really set my imagination rolling. And 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 I think it was maybe they were. I was watching a, a rerun of In Search of with Leonard Nimoy when I saw the the Patterson Gimlin footage, and that really sort of sparked my imagination. Awesome, because I I had a bookmobile back when I was young too. I, I, I don't know. I, the, you said bookmobile, and I had all these memories come flooding back. And I'm like, oh yes, it's so good. Yeah, um, they don't really. I don't know if they really use them anymore. Yeah, there's, I, I mean, most schools have libraries and stuff, but I always and ours had like a smaller little library as well. But I always enjoyed when the the bookmobile had all the best paranormal books, you know. Um, and then you could do requests, right? They'd go back to the main mm. library, and 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 the next time they rolled through. They, if you had any requests, they would they would bring those books, and so I was always requesting more books on, on Bigfoot and UFOs and and all that stuff. What was your gateway uh, phenomena or creature, or, you know, what have you? Man, that's a good question. I I would have to say it was the idea of Bigfoot that seemed like the most real to me at the time, and so you know I had some strange experience when I was like five or six. I saw some red devilish type character in my bedroom window when I was young with these peering yellow eyes. So I think I feel like it might be story time, Bryce. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where where did this, where did this take place? So this took place in, uh, in Colorado and I talk, it's, I talk about it on the, the very first episode of our podcast, Bigfoot Collectors Club, but I'll do the short version of you guys, uh, for you guys here. And, we had basically awesome. just moved into a new house and uh, and we were on a cul-de-sac and a cu- I remember a couple neighborhood kids came by and and we were playing in, in my driveway. My mom was gardening out in the front and uh, and what this older kid brought over what looked like sort of like a game board half something and and he was like, tonight we're gonna summon the devil and I was like, oh shit. You know? and my, my mom overheard it and she was like, you know you kids get the hell off my driveway you know. <laughs> And uh, looking back, I think it was some type of wheat, some homemade Ouija board or something like that, you know. But anyway, so this sounds she, so 80s. I, I don't know when this actually took place, but it sounds oh, it like was, it, it was right in the 80s. There's no yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, right in the middle. I, I was born in 77. So this must have been. Yeah, this white been snake like, is playing in the background. For sure. has huge hair, gray hair. I, I yeah, get it. I get yeah. It. Got the pegs on my bicycle. Uh, and, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that you know, everybody left. She kicked everybody out, and 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 you know, I remember the older kid being like, "Don't worry, he's still coming tonight." Speaking of like, <laughs> devil, and I was like, "Oh shit," you know. What's your experience to be totally yeah. ruined? Yeah. So that night, it like in, in the middle of the night, I remember just waking up out of the blue and and out my bedroom window. I was on a bunk bed. My older brother was on in the top bunk, but. I was looking out the window and this sort of red blurry creature comes profile right into frame and then just stops in the middle and slowly peers into my soul with these like glowing yellow eyes. And I just remember just being like, I couldn't move. I was completely in shock and it just stared at me for what seemed like forever. It turned its head and then just walked off. Now I'm totally willing to give that this might've been that older kid in some sort of mask or something, but (laughs) the way I remember it, this thing was like glowing and it had some sort of ethereal type of existence. It just, it just felt supernatural and especially those eyes. But uh, that just sent me down a, uh, on a path of like, you know, what are ghosts? What are 
all what is all this shit, you know that, that yeah. that's probably the right answer i think ghosts might have been the first my gateway into the strange because though they always had more books on ghosts it seemed than anything else you know I, and it was more part of the zeitgeist or popular culture uh, even then you know yeah. it seemed to be the more popular monster out there yeah for sure i gotta throw this out there that is like to this day still one of the things i fear the most is just like rolling over in bed and like glancing out the window and seeing anything there <laughs> would just terrify me to my core and something that got me as a, if if i saw that as a kid i would have been done i would have like just i, I would have flown out of that room in a heartbeat screaming sounds like bryce you established dominance by just staring him down <laughs> Well, I knew to do that, right? I knew to just right. yeah. this her down. Step step two was just to defecate right there to make him know that that was your home. I, I, <laughs> you knew about step two. I didn't even tell you that, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, it terrorized me, but you know, it sent me down this journey that I've I feel like I've been on ever since. So it really it really helped sort of you know shape what my my life would be i mean especially with this interest and so in a strange way i'm kind of grateful for that experience so then you circle back 30 some years later and here you are the star of one of the best found footage bigfoot films if not the best to come out uh, i'd say since the patterson gimlin film itself that's got to be a pretty big moment for you it's pretty exciting to to be part of that or was it just like another film or you know what were your thoughts going into it was it- no not at all well for, first and foremost i'm i'm so proud of that of that film and i'm so glad that it stands out and as you know as a great Bigfoot film, because I've seen a lot of the Bigfoot films and there's a lot of (laughs) shitty Bigfoot films out there. You know, there's a few really great ones, you know, legend of boggy and, and a few Mm -hmm. other ones. But so, so looking back, I'm just pleased as punch that, that people dig this film. And, you know, it it all really goes to Bobcat because I I think he, you know, as a kid, he always loved the, the Patterson Gimlin footage too. And so I'm really playing him in that movie and uh, hmm. and so, you know, look, I, I, I can't give Bobcat enough credit because I think that guy is just uh, such a I hate the word genius, but I just think he was like he was he was taking a chance making a found footage film. He had never done one before. And I think his impetus was always like, I like this genre, but I hate how there's all these edits. And it feels like, you know, if someone picked up this camera uh, that someone, you know, found a found footage film and they just hit play that's that's what he wanted to that he's like that's what i want to create it instead of like all these cuts and edits you know it's like who picked up this camcorder and then went back and edited it and released it you know he's like that never made sense to me that's who did that right right (laughs) exactly exactly so that's one of the things i really loved about this was the the super long shots just one single shot and it's so long and i i had to uh, I was wondering if you guys like how much of it was scripted, how much of it was uh, improvised. Yeah, well, a lot of it was improvised, and so when when Bobcat gave us, it was really more of a of a film synopsis. It was about twelve to fifteen pages of of really the beats of what he wanted to happen, and nice. uh, and just to give you an example, like you know, it, those beats just included like tent scene, something happens, you know, and mm-hmm. that's it. That didn't say twenty minute tent scene, you know. Yeah. Um, so we really just so much of that was created while we were filming. And, you know, a lot of that dialogue is 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 our own. And and Bobcat would be there the entire way, just sort of like, OK, we need to hit sort of these moments. And 
he he had it all in his mind of how, of what he wanted to happen and and so uh yeah you know there's only 67 edits in that entire film which is wow. just unheard of so that was really his goal was to like make this feel like somebody picked up the camera and they were and they were you know store grade camcorders we only had two of them we never had to use the backup one but he bought it at best buy you know he wanted it to be like so authentic real authentic right and uh and that's me basically doing so i'm like almost a cinematographer i'm you know i'm (laughs) holding the camera the whole time those are all like my shots you know we did have a an incredible uh cinematographer who would set the settings and all that stuff and take care of the camera before and after the you know the cut and the rolling but but yeah it was a very hands-on experience and and a lot of that dialogue about, you know, Bigfoot and stuff was my own. It looked like the environment itself played a big part in almost a character where you guys are, especially at the end, uh, your two characters are lost and you're, you know, walking around the Manzanita scrub or whatever that is. How much of the environment did he just like throw you into it and, and you filmed everything on location? Like I'm thinking of those scary tent scenes, the long scene. Was that yeah. filmed somewhere in a yard or was that filmed down the woods? What was the situation there? Yeah, well, that that tent scene was filmed at Laos Camp, and I don't know if you guys have ever been to to Willow Creek in Northern California, but it's it's the gateway to Bigfoot country, and and you know that's where the Big China Flats Museum is that Roger Patterson took his film uh, right to Al Hodgson at that is at that museum. So Bluff Creek, where they where Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson shot that film in '67, is right next to Willow Creek and Laos camp is where they stayed the night before they got that footage. So it's authentic. And yes, you're exactly right. That whole, that whole area was like a character in the film because, you know, just like Jim was sort of like wanting to retrace those steps. I was getting to retrace them as well. And I had never been there before. So it was like, it was like my own pilgrimage being able to (laughs) go to Willow Creek and then go to these areas where all this was actually shot. So so yeah, I mean, it just lends itself to like play in that environment. And, you know, at, at one point we even actually had an opportunity to to go down to the film site because this was right around the time that uh, a lot of those guys like uh, Steven Stroyford and, 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 and Robert Lederman were like trying to locate the actual film site. And, and Robert Lederman sort of, you know, he was a guide on some of the locations for that film. He's like, I could take you down there, you know, to the actual film site. And, you know, we never ended up going because we didn't need to get down there. Um, and it was all, it wasn't easy going there anyway. And we got so everything. It's pretty remote to back in there, right? It's to get ve- to that actual film site. It's very remote. And and we would have had to leave the cars behind and, and, and stuff like that. So, so it didn't work for us to actually film at the film site, um, but we were right there in Laos Camp is where we did the tent scene. And and man, that I mean, that's as close as you can get. Did, did you have any idea what they were going to do or were they just like getting this tent and we're going to make some sounds and beat on it? Yeah, no. So I, I remember Bobcat sat us down before and he was just like, I want to attempt a really long tent scene. And, you know, you got to give the guy credit because... I mean, it's almost a third of the film in a strange way. And and he was just like, I want to like create this tension. And it's what I love about that scene is, is first of all, we've all, you know, by the time we get there, you know, the audience feels like they know these characters well enough, you know, and, and we yeah. we've took the time to establish uh, who these people are and, and the audience can, you know, sort of relate to them and, and, and begin to like them. And, and then in that tense scene, it's just, 
you know what's so great is it establishes silence right mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. like it's such a missing part in so many great horror films it's just like and as an audience member you and your own mind are filling in all the elements of what's taking place outside the tent you know so yep. Um, and it's, it's just the old sitting, Jaws effect. Yes, where you, absolutely. You don't show the shark and let let the people's imagination fill in the blanks. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we had, you know, me and Alexi were in that ten, and we really had no idea how long it would be, what they were going to do outside the tent. We didn't know what kind of ruckus they were going to be making, but uh, they really set the tone for us. And you know, they were, they had you know, Bobcat was making calls and, you know, beating the trees and, and then throwing rocks at our <laughs> tent, you know, like he could have, he could have totally whacked us in the head. You know, we had no idea, but we only did three takes of that mm. tent scene. And that nice. took, that took all night. And then it was the first one. It was funny. I got, I got really sort of emotional and he's like, he's like, bring it back a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, man, I'm scared man he's like, he's like I was okay gonna say, yeah how much of that emotion was you and how much of it was your character oh it was re- it was so real right it was so like, i've done acting before and, and this this it was so easy to get into it just because you i don't know it was just like it was like the perfect acting exercise and and and, and then the second one the second take is the one we ended up using and uh by the end of the third take, we were just we were beat, and we all just you know conked out at, right there at Laos Camp at like three a.m. and it was it was amazing. It looked <laughs> like it was emotionally draining to to be part of that scene. Honestly, it, it was because you're just you're intently listening, and and you're like, and it's really great. Those reactions are real because I you know we didn't know what was coming or you know what to expect. So yeah, a lot of people really reach out to me and they're like, I love that tent scene. And I'm like, me too. I love that tent scene as well. And so, you know, I, I think Bobcat took a big risk with that. It took a big chance and I think it paid off, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I want to throw something out there because this caught me off guard when like we were, of course, given this movie to watch uh, by Derek and I was sitting there, you know, going on IMDb, looking up stuff. And I noticed the director was Bobcat and I'm like, mean like the comedian so that kind of <laughs> took me off. i i didn't i've never connected that but after looking up stuff he seems to be very into this uh much like dan Aykroyd's into like ufos and stuff so that's just mm-hmm. something that completely hit me from left field but you're saying bryce that he's like super into this and like does a ton of stuff with it so do you know what got him into this or is it just something that he's just enjoyed all of his life much like all, all of us here yeah, no. So the thing that got him into it was the In Search of episode with Leonard Nimoy. And, mm-hmm. and he, he saw that and he was pretty much hooked, you know. And and yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people who don't know Bobcat as a filmmaker think of his, you know, his hugely successful career in the 80s. But he really wanted to to make a mark of his own in film and stuff. And his first directorial debut was, you know, he wrote and directed Shakes the Clown, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but what a what an entry into the <laughs> into the film world uh it's about an alcoholic uh, psychotic clown it's been great but uh uh right up my alley yeah no <laughs> totally redundant and then i did uh he also starred in that and then so his first film that he just wanted to write and direct was a film called sleeping dogs lie which thankfully i ended up getting cast in the lead we just really bonded man and um and he's done some incredible films since then. And, and, and he's just, uh, he, he plays by his own rules, right? So he writes what he wants and they're always outside the box projects. He doesn't have some network giving him notes and, 
And so he's very uh, artistic in that sense. And I got to give the guy a lot of credit because his films are just, they're so odd. They're so strange. And, and, and those are two words that I just love, you know? Yeah. I got to be honest. I loved Bobcat growing up. It, it, when I was a kid, I did a, I did an impression of him that my whole family was like, oh, do the Bobcat impression. You got to do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> I can even begin to do it now, but right, uh, right. it was just amazing. And to see the change that he's made for, or the departure from that, you know, the, the schizoid uh, character that he, that he played in practically every movie he was in, in the eighties. And he kind of flipped that on its head. And now he's like this artsy, um, outside the box kind of i i love i love the uh i love the journey that he's taken as the millennials like to say yeah me too (laughs) me too he's got he's got he's i know he's got at least a few more uh if not a dozen films in him so and they're all they all have something to say you know that was Mm -hmm. i I often would ask him about writing like you know what's your process and he was like well you got to start with something that you want to say you have to want Mm -hmm. to say something and so uh you know it's a great way for him to use his voice are there any more cryptozoology or paranormal themed films in his uh, in his wheelhouse or coming? Oh yeah, he's he, he's talked to me about trying to do some alien UFO one, and I'm like, and I've, I'm I'm always feeding him ideas and stuff like that, and we've gotten close to collaborating on something. It hasn't it hasn't come together yet, but we're just waiting for the right moment, I think, to maybe. Uh, do something like that, but I know just he wants go out to the Joshua Tree and shoot for a couple weekends. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, great. something something very much maybe like Willow Creek, but in the genre of uh, of aliens and UFOs. And I know he would, you know, put an original spin on it. You know, yeah. Now I'm going to circle back here a little bit, and I, I hate to keep taking over all the questions here, guys. But do they ever show Sasquatch or Bigfoot in this film? I, I went back and watched it again this morning, and I do not remember seeing. Uh, you see the, I'm going to call it the bride of the forest. I don't know what you want to call yeah. the, the, the character there that, yep. um, we'll talk about her in a minute, but do they actually show Bigfoot anywhere? And if not, did they have a suit at any point that they just didn't end up using or. No, he always knew that we were never going to show the monster because it, as soon as you do, at least in his opinion was, it kind of ruins everything else, right? So it's like I agree with them completely. it's like you're going to hang your hat on what the creature looks like as opposed to the film. And where he's like, if I don't show this thing, you know, each individual audience member can just fill in the blanks of of what they think this creature looks like and is. So he never he never set about making up a suit or anything like that. He always knew that he was just you know, not going to show the monster, you know? And I, and I was like, that's great because as I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of the Bigfoot movies that do, you're like, that's, that's right where they go wrong. You know, they're like, Oh, well you lost me, you know? And they do it in the first 10 minutes too. That's the bad part. Right. Right. Can you think of a perfect example of that, that we may have discussed on this very show. The The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 I saw that. That was, that was a good little film there. Yeah. And a little wonky, uh, uh, Bigfoot, but, uh, yeah, you're totally right. It's like, it it divides an audience, right? You're either like, cause I know some people like think, Oh, that's a cool take on. Then the other, uh, the other half is like, Oh man, I was good up until this point, you know? So we just wanted to set that all side together with with the, uh, uh, going back to the long shots and just the, um, the framing of it and the cinematography of, of the shots. I spent the whole time watching this, uh, film being like, okay, where is the Bigfoot in the background? 
Like mm. it, it's got to be like something's just <laughs> watching them, and and I'm sure that's not part of it. But that you know, for me, that that's like a fun little extra that really uh, kept me into the the film and wondering what was going to happen next and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the so, you, the sounds of Bigfoot was was Bobcat himself. So uh, you know he took a very hands on approach. <laughs> He, he did a good job. I mean, yeah, as yeah, far we, as the whoops and howls and stuff you hear, I mean, it's, got that crying, yeah, that you sometimes hear, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing is a part of a of a suit or or something that he made was he actually hand carved the uh, the the footprint or the wood stomper as they call them in the in the hoaxing world. As it, so, <laughs> you know, that footprint you see came from a, a wood stomper that he had made himself. And uh, what one thing I I found incredibly interesting was. So when when we stopped, when we cut rolling and I was like, you know, I saw a cameraman put this wood stomper on and try and like make these tracks. He was trying to make tracks and he was having the hardest time just walking, let alone doing like a big stride. And then forget about making an impression uh, an inch and a half, two inches, three inches into the soft sand. And it was like an aha moment. I was like, holy shit. And I just realized like how authentic a lot of those trackways that that people like Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum have studied and, and guys like Cliff Barrickman. I was like, it, it was almost like Bigfoot became realer to me even at that point because I got it, right? Like you can't just go around in one of these wooden feet and create these trackways that have spontaneity in them that are dug four inches deep you know, deep into the mud and have like these five foot strides, it's next to impossible, you know? Yeah. So it was really like an, ex I was like just blown away by that. And it became a, a real light bulb moment for me that, man, you know, there's something to this mystery. And I've always believed that there had been, but that was a real like, wow, type of moment. People always think that, you know, you just slap those feet on and go take off running and you can fool everyone. Yeah, not the case. The people that are being fooled, some of them are seasoned trackers or, you know, outdoorsmen that, that know the ground, that know the terrain. And, and they can just take one look at it and say, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't a wooden footprint or anything like that. This is something flexible, something biological. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, 100%. And, you know, you see, you see the, the guys, I won't list them here, who have said, oh, yeah, those are my footprints. And they're, and they're showing you their wood stompers. And you're like, give me a f break, you know. Yeah. First of all, that looks so hokey and hacky. And let alone to think that this old man is out there, you know, fooling everyone. I don't think so, you know. Yeah. And the places where they find them, too. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, 100%. So – I, I do want to throw this out there because I mean, wa watching the movie, the movie doesn't answer every question you're probably asking yourself. Right. And I'm, I'm given the opportunity to sort of kind of voice my opinion now on this. My thing was, I'm like, well, they don't ever show a Bigfoot and this whole situation of like the, the, the one woman in the woods, the, the guy being like, you need to turn around, you need to get out of here. I'm like, is there something darker going on where it's, there's not actually a cryptid? And that's what they're trying to hide. Like, there's some cult or something back there. But like, like I said, the movie doesn't give you any evidence of that. So I'm like, I don't know. It was, it was just some some own head thing I was thinking at this while I was watching it too. Yeah, well, here's here's another example of, of great filmmaking, right? It could be all those or nothing, right? Uh, exactly. You as an audience member are left to fill in the blanks. But, you know, I know – so in Bobcat's mind – there was a, a creature, there was a mm -hmm. Bigfoot, and he did take a, 
a bride or a, or a sex slave. And that's what you see in the end, you know, and that's these women that go missing, you know, and it, and in my mind at the end, he kills Jim and, you know, he, he takes Alexi's character for his own, you know, this Bigfoot creature. And, uh, and, you know, the guy that, that turns us around, it, it's great, right? It serves as like a red herring, you know, in a sense, like, oh, is this some like, you know, deep woods marijuana operation or, yeah, um, right. You know, that guy, that guy could have served multiple functions, right? Like, is he part of this, like, you know, is Bigfoot intelligent enough to like hire heavy or, or is this guy just uh, protecting like some marijuana crop, you know, or, or something more devious or something more nefarious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, as far as the, the bride of the forest, I, I listen to Bigfoot collectors club uh, whenever I can. And you, you know, everything you seem to have your fingers on the pulse of everything paranormal do you have accounts that you've heard of, of this? Like uh, the concept is familiar to me, but I can't think of a single account where somebody thought this had happened. It was just kind of a, kind of the David Pilates thing where it's one of the theories that, mm. that could explain some of these disappearances. Have you heard anything that kind of hints to that? Well, thank you so much, man, first of all. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we, we've talked about this on the podcast and, uh, you know, so there's a great book uh, written by a guy named Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner. It's called Where the Footprints End, uh, Bigfoot and High Strangeness. And there's a chapter in there about uh, women in white and how it might be related to the Bigfoot phenomenon. And oh. uh, and we talk about, you know, we, we had Bobcat on the podcast and we're like, did did that happen subconsciously? Did you know about, you know, sort of the, the women in white and their and their uh, relationship to Bigfoot. And he was like, no, not really, you know, but it's funny because that missing 411 stuff was some of the inspiration behind using uh, that missing person and that woman. So he was familiar with David Polite's work. And I think that inspired some of the, you know, the, the missing persons aspect of it. It just happened to be a woman. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 an incredible chapter in that in that book, and I highly recommend it. But uh, yeah, there seems to be some sort of relationship. Not many, but you know, people have seen these these strange ethereal type women in white. You know, and, and who who knows what is going on there? Yeah, I mean, there's the connection with the UFOs and Bigfoot as well that people talk about all the time, where they see the odd lights or the orbs or whatever it, it, with the sighting of of the creature itself. So, you know, it could be women in white, it could be aliens, who knows where these things are coming from, I guess. Yeah, I'm with you. I've I've I, I don't know what to make of the of the and I that's why I use the term phenomenon because I I think there I think there's more to it than just an unconfirmed North American wood ape uh in the woods. I mean, there's too many accounts of of this high strangeness aspect that goes along with with Bigfoot and you just named a few of them, right? Like these, these strange balls of light that people see. I've talked to witnesses who said they've seen the creature materialize and dematerialize in front of their eyes, you know? And then you yeah, have the these, cloaking. yeah, this cloaking phenomenon. It's so, so strange. And you're right. You know, there are uh, quite a few cases of, of people seeing these creatures either before or after seeing some sort of anomalous light in the sky, whether it's a craft or just some strange light in the sky. So uh, I, I don't know. And, you know, I know it kind of bugs a lot of researchers because it doesn't really fit inside their inside their little box. But this is what I love about that subject, right? It's like if you try and stick anything into a box in the paranormal, whether it be ghosts, cryptids, aliens, UFOs, you're not going to get 
close to the truth, nowhere near it, you know? Yeah. And it's, for me, it's, it's, it's looking at these, all these accounts and all these people's experience and finding that one strange detail that might parallel some other detail that you hear about in, 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 a, in somebody's out of body experience or somebody's mystical experience or somebody's UFO sighting that, that you can find, you can find these patterns, you know, and, and John Keel sort of felt that, that same way that all this stuff was somehow related in, in some strange way. And he housed it under the term ultra terrestrial, you know, and, and I don't know if Bigfoot falls into that category, but I mean, it certainly hits some of the markers at times. To certify my nerd cred, if I may, real quick, Bryce, I just want to thank you for your work on uh, the Hulk versus animated movie and the Doctor Strange movie for lending your voice and also the several video games you have been in as well. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm so, that's another credit I'm extremely proud of. I love I love the character of Doctor Strange and and magic with a K. I don't know. I just I dig that character and I got I got really lucky landing that role. Uh, but thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I, no I love problem, playing man. games. I love video games. I love, I love that Marvel universe. And so, uh, it, yeah, that was a, that was an honor. All right. Um, I, I know you kind of hinted at it, but, um, I'm sorry. I'm going to derail this even worse now. Favorite, uh, superhero. <laughs> oh, well, it has it, no doubt about it. Dr. Strange, man. Just the idea Perfect. that, yeah, I mean, opening up portals, using magic. It's, I mean, I, that's what I want to do. <laughs> awesome. Great. <laughs> great to hear but bryce i was wondering about how long uh it took you guys to put this together um filming wise yeah great question so so by the time bobcat knew he had the cast together and stuff we all road tripped from los angeles up to willow creek uh the six rivers national forest and and we shot everything in about eight to nine days which is unheard of and our crew was seven of us, right? It was me, Alexi, Bobcat, our cinematographer, our sound guy, Frank, uh, our producer, Amy, and her little brother who served as ukulele man and our, our, and our NRPA. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's just, a, it's like literally like a handful of people out there, you know, trying to make a film. And if it wasn't for the vision, you know, and, it sounds so easy to do, but, but if, if, if it wasn't for Bobcat's vision of what he thought something like, uh, you know, this found footage film could be, I don't think it would have came together. And it was so synchronicitous, my love, because, and I'll just add this, like, we're very much those characters, right? Like I'm very much Jim, right? Like sure. this believer who thinks there's something to this Bigfoot thing. And, and, and my girlfriend, who's just like very skeptical about the whole idea, you know? So it just it, it lends itself to that sort of truthfulness because in a strange way we were we really didn't have to do too much. Did you improvise the ring? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. So Bobcat Bobcat knew that was one of the things, right? He was like, nice. you know, that was one of the things in the script. This guy's going to propose and she's going to turn him down. It, it, it makes it more endearing, you know. It it really levels it levels it off. Uh, totally yeah i love that too right because how many times i mean you know yeah i don't know that just added such a dimension to the character she's sure. like maybe if this guy wasn't hunting bigfoots she would have said yes <laughs> right it was like it was like the one sort of caveat that she's like ah i, I can't do it now 
<laughs> yeah, but you're right. Like, I, I think having a vision and going into that with a plan, you, you got to know, because you can't just throw everybody in a forest and be like, improvise getting a Bigfoot attack, you know, like, it, it's yeah. gonna, it, it's gonna kind of devolve into chaos. So yeah, it's good to hear it. And, and nice that uh, uh, Bobcat has that vision and stuff and can really put that together. I don't think it's an easy thing to do. No. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, and I like I said, and I'll say it again, like being a Bigfoot fan and and, and stuff like that, I'm, it just kind of tickles me that I that I have this film that that I think holds up. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'd like to think in the, you know, in the canon of Bigfoot movies, it, 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 it stands out at, at least as, as one of the better ones. And so I just that I'm extremely pleased by that. Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely a big fan, and uh, we again, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk to us. But before you go, I do have a quick question about: uh, Did you experience anything up there while while you were up there for eight or nine days? You were tromping through the woods. Did you guys see anything strange? Did you pass a footprint, uh, some sort of stick structure, anything that would suggest that that maybe that thing's up there? Yeah, that's a great question, and you know, I've I've told this story before, but so there's one point where we're driving down this very steep road and and it's where Alexi and my character enter the wilderness we leave the car behind and we and we you know start making our way down to the supposed uh film site and it was at that time that we were filming that that i f- felt like something was watching us and all the woods got really quiet really really quiet and this sense of dread sort of washed over me and, uh, you know, you can even hear Bobcat talk about it. It's like, I've never seen Bryce angry or mad, but he was whatever, whatever have he was like pissed. And he was like, can we just get the shot? You know, cause I, <laughs> and, and I don't even know if he kn- knows about my experience there. I don't, don't think I've ever told him, but, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I felt like something was, I, I didn't want to be like, I feel like there's a Bigfoot watching us. You know, I, I would have sounded crazy, but but looking back, I don't know any other way to explain it. I just, it was like this and it, and they didn't feel it either, which is so very, which is so very strange. So it's almost like it, it singled me out in a way, uh, or at least I was sensitive to whatever was happening there. But was but this like a predator, like the feeling of a predator looking at you? Like what describe the yeah. feeling that you had? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, that's exactly what it is, right? You just, it, it, it it's, there's a crispness that goes in the air and you just feel like something's wrong. You know, something's happening that shouldn't be happening right now. And the, the forest got really quiet. And you, you, you know, when you just feel eyes on the back of your yeah. head, you know, you feel like something is watching you and, and it was, and it was just a sense of dread and I was really uneasy about it. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think that maybe there was something, you know, maybe a Bigfoot watching over that scene take place. I don't know. Looking back, that would be, That'd or a pretty bear, maybe your mountain lion yeah, or hillbilly. Bear. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. My wife has this. Uh, so we watch Expedition Bigfoot on 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 Sundays with with my wife, and she's she's interesting too. She's like that Alexi character. She's a little skeptical, and lately she's come up with a new theory, and and she calls it the tweaker theory. <laughs> she's just like, oh, that's just a tweaker. <laughs> she laughs so hard. Because like, hey, you know, maybe when I was out there, it was just some tweaker trying getting ready to kill me. But uh, I just love that idea. Like, oh, tree structures, tweakers. Oh, something on thermal, tweakers. Uh, 
but sixteen uh, inch footprints though, Bryce. Come on. <laughs> tweakers. tweakers. Three tweakers. <laughs> Double stepping tweakers. Double stepping tweakers. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned it. Tell us a little bit about Expedition Bigfoot before we before we duck out of here. Yeah, right. So, well, we're, we just we finished up our second season uh, a little bit ago. It's airing right now on Discovery Plus, and uh, I think episode seven will be airing this Saturday. And and if you guys haven't seen it, just wait wait till you see what happens around episodes ten, eleven, and twelve. I mean, it just goes gangbusters. Nice. And uh, and you guys are in Oklahoma they, for the season, is that right? We started out in Kentucky and then we ended up in Washington. Oh, so, Kentucky, that's right. Yeah, we, we go to southeastern Kentucky and uh, and we have some crazy shit happen there. And then, you know, basically uh, the leads kind of run out. So we move over to uh, Washington near the Puget Sound, right near the Olympic National Forest. And uh, man, so much activity and just and some great evidence, man. I'm really stoked about about everything we experienced and. And, uh, I just, I'm really proud of that show too. I think it's a, it's just a, it's a great ride, man. You know, and I think there's a lot of people who want that type of scientific rigor with high technology trying to like, you know, move this ball forward. And and that's what we aim to do. Yeah. You guys aren't out there hooping in the woods and and listening for (laughs) distant coyotes and stuff. You guys are actually out there with some equipment and, and rationalizing, uh, what you're hearing and what you're experiencing and, and trying to come up with logical explanations before you automatically think it's a Bigfoot. I, uh, I haven't watched the entire series yet. I'm a busy man, but um, I've checked out several episodes and I'm a big fan of the show. So I, I highly recommend everybody check it out as well. And you hmm. said well, you had a podcast you, too, correct? Yeah, yes. Yes. So me and my great friend, Michael McMillan, he's an actor as well. And, uh, and our super producer, Riley Bray, we've been doing a, uh, a podcast called Bigfoot Collectors Club. And it's just, uh, we interview incredible guests about their personal paranormal history. And then we go into a story of high strangeness. And we just finished our 150th episode. And, uh, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And, and we're, but we're very serious about the subject. We all have a, a, a huge passion for, for strangeness and the unknown. And we've always just, been ourselves. And I think a lot of people try and take it very seriously as it should be. But, you know, I I think comedy is also a great gateway into this subject for people who aren't into it. So, you know, we like bringing people who, who are on the edges of this thing and and bringing them into the world of high strangeness and say, come in and listen to this story. And what do you think of this? And there, you know, so, so it's a, it's a great thing to do. I love that show and, and yeah, check it out. You know, like I said earlier, I listened to it and I love when you guys have a guest on and, and you ask them, so what's your paranormal history? And, oh, I don't have any. I don't have any paranormal history. <laughs> but then they go on to tell you like four different stories that are jaw on the floor dropping. Like, what do you oh, mean? Yeah. You don't have any. Like, everybody has a story and you guys definitely show that, that every person you bring on has something strange that's gone on. Well, that has been that has been one of the most eye opening things, too. I mean, first of all, I guess when we started this thing, I had couple concerns one i was going to be like hey we're going to run out of these stories of high strangeness isn't there only like 10 or 12 of these things and (laughs) wrong wrong i mean we could go on forever there's so many incredible encounters abduction experiences uh bigfoot encounter i mean the list goes on and on and on and then my second thing was like you know what if these guests don't have any personal paranormal history what if they just don't believe or they've never been affected by it Again, wrong. I would say like 90 to 95% of our guests, just like you mentioned, if they haven't had a 
paranormal uh, experience personally, they know someone close to them who has. So this thing is like cancer, right? It affects everybody in a strange way. And I'm fascinated by that because we're all in this big mystery together, right? Nobody is outside of this of this paranormal mystery, even those materialist reductionists who like to think, no, I'm just science-based atheist. None of that's all bullshit. Like, you know, it's, it's touching those people too. Um, they just may not like to admit it as much, but yeah, or in a different way. Exactly. But this, this, this strangeness, this, this paranormal world, man, it, it affects all of our reality. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. I can't get enough of the stuff. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to uh, not only join us, but to investigate all this stuff, get to the bottom of it and going out in the field and, and doing stuff that that we're not doing. We're sitting in our chairs being comfortable <laughs> and talking about this stuff and you're out there actually looking at it. You're looking for it. So uh, thank you so much for that. Thank you again for for coming on the show. Please tell everybody where they can they can find you, where they can find Bigfoot Collectors Club. I know you already mentioned it, but for everybody with uh, with terrible memories, one more time. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, you know, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing, too. So I, I, I love your guys' work. And, and it, we, I think I love this paranormal community. I think, uh, you know, it's just it, it's a really great group of people. And, 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 and I want to bring more people into it. But, yeah, you can find me. I'm all over social media. I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson. I'm on Twitter. Uh, same for Bigfoot Collectors Club. And uh, Expedition Bigfoot is airing at Discovery Plus. And you can find Bigfoot Collectors Club, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out. Awesome. Thank you, Bryce. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks, yeah, it's Bryce. my pleasure. Thank you so much, you guys. So, gentlemen, before we kick out of here, um, Justin, what do you think? Would you recommend this film to to others? What did you think of the film overall? Uh, what are your final thoughts here? I would definitely recommend this film. Um, it, it was great, like I said in the interview and beforehand, you can kind of lead you to your own conclusions, even though there is, as was discussed, a director's choice for what happened. But, I mean, it sets up, like, that there could be other things going on. I don't know. I, I really like that it kind of is kind of choose-your-own-ending to what happened. I mean, one thing definitely happens, but there's multiple things that could be going on. You don't know. Because the movie, it's it's found footage. It is one person shooting it. It doesn't have a cutscene away to show what's going on somewhere else, but... It's a very interesting film, and I think it's done fantastically, and I he did hint at maybe more in the future, and I mm -hmm. would definitely be down and very interested to see what comes next from their collaborations and their work together. To be to be in those films. <laughs> Starring Justin Zanger. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Background character expert. Justin. You're the dude on the ukulele. Oh, every time. I don't know how to play it, and I don't think that guy did either. <laughs> Ouch! He sounds fired, David. David, what did you think of uh, of the film? I uh, I would recommend this. Yeah, I, and I think I'll I'll tell you why you at home listening uh, would probably enjoy this. It's coming from the perspective that um, at least Derek and I are uh, going into with the documentary that we're going to be starting up here soon to shoot. Um, it's it it was a neat thing to see people out there doing that kind of stuff and thinking, what would I do in that situation? Uh, it's, it's as awkward as sometimes it can be when you do go out in the field and uh, talk to people and try to, you know, look like you're, you're investigating and knowing what you're doing. 
Um, so I think just for that perspective alone, I think a lot of our listeners will recognize what that's like, especially listening to us as, you know, longtime podcasters. Uh, I think people will let, recognize that and relate to it and enjoy it. And if um, I, I, I feel like it hooks you pretty early on and you don't even realize that you've been hooked until you're, you know, in Willow Springs with them and, and being like, well, that was a weird encounter kind of thing, you know? And um, so I, I think people will uh, get a kick out of this and it's a, it's a good little thing to watch. You know, if you, um, if you're sitting there at night being like, well, I've, I've already watched all of Bob's burgers and I've uh, gone through my, uh, <laughs> I've gone through the, the new movies that are out. Let's, uh, and, and if you haven't heard it, like I, I somehow I missed this one. I, it came out in what, 2014, I think. 2013. Goodness. So I, I missed this one when it came out and I'm, I'm sorry I did. Like it's, it's a, it's a fun one and I hate to, I'm sure it gets compared to the granddaddy of all found footage films, uh, Blair Witch, but I feel like this if you, better. I feel, well, I feel like if you compare, uh, how Blair Witch was done in that genre to this with Bigfoot, it's like Blair Witch with Bigfoot. I, I think it, it does a great job um, of using that kind of uh, uh, film uh, technique to get the story across. It's uh, it's really great. I love the silence in there. I love the long shots. And uh, I really respect that they were able to get out there and do this and uh, improvise a lot of it, too. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good one. Yeah, I completely agree. Um if you're listening to this podcast and you're you listen to any of our work, you're obviously into the cryptozoology or into Bigfoot. This is the film for you. Uh, it, it certainly hits all those marks. It's entertaining. It's scary. Yeah, there's definitely scary parts. Oh yeah. Uh, I recommend you get your friends together. You, you do a slumber party, you turn out the lights, you watch this movie, it, it's socially distanced or, or wait till the <laughs> pandemic or whatever. Uh, I don't want to get sued, but put plastic um, up between everybody. <laughs> Uh, actually, yeah, just, just put sheets of plastic or wear a plastic <laughs> trash bag or something. Actually, I think with Amazon, you can do like a party watch thing where you all watch it, like hmm. uh, watch and chat with others. Oh, we should start doing that. Now we have to do that. Patreon re reward. It's a watch party where we all kind of like mystery science theater, these, these bad uh, documentaries and stuff. But this is in, a good in reality. One. You're just going to hear me snoring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, um, a big thanks to our guest, uh, Bryce Johnson. And until next time, I have been Derek Hayes of Monsters Among Us. I've been David Flora of Blurry Photos. And I've been Justin Zinger, very disappointed with this Bigfoot tale. Also <laughs> of Zingness. Good night, everyone. Later. Later. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.